all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at UMMC. And joining me in the studio today, I have a couple of other UMMC folks. I've got Dr. Mark Livingston, who is the Chairman of the Department of Advanced General Dentistry at the School of Dentistry at UMMC. And I also have uh, Michael Robbins, who is a fourth-year medical student, who is uh, learning all about preventive medicine and the types of things we do in the Department of Preventive Medicine. So he's joining us today on the show at as well, and I'm sure we'll loop him in with some good health-related questions as well. If you have a question for us about the dentist, about when you should go, how often you should go, or just why you should go to the dentist, we're happy to take those questions today. Our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. All right, guys. Good morning. Oh, that's when y'all say good morning. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) All right. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, uh, Dr. Livingston, tell me a little bit about what advanced general dentistry. What is that? Well, our department at the School of Dentistry has two educational programs, uh, advanced education in general dentistry and general practice residency. Both are one-year-long residency programs, and they're pretty analogous to something like family medicine Mm. for the physicians. There's a little bit of everything there in a year's time. Uh, So we're thinking jack of all trades, master of none type of exposure (laughs) versus going into only one little silo and only learning about one thing. Gotcha. And we're going to treat patients that are a little more chronically ill than the Mm. students were exposed to in their pre-doc environment. Okay. And so, you know, it's a great program that we've had. I've had the opportunity to interact with you and your um, residents and really everybody over in the school and dentistry through Dental Missions Week, right? So Dental (laughs) Dental Missions Week, I think this is the fourth year I've been involved Mm -hmm. with you guys for Dental Missions Week. Um, But just give us a little snippet about Dental Missions Week because it's a really great um, initiative by the School of Dentistry. Absolutely. Uh, Brainchild of Dr. Felton, our dean, and there are several people uh, Three, at least, that I need to give kudos to. Um, Miss Anita with Logistics for Supplies. Uh, Melody, who does the logistics for the appointments for all these people. Uh, and Steve, who is just Mr. Fix-It during that he whole week. He is Mr. Fix-It. During that whole week. So during that week, and this has been going on, they're actually starting to vet people for next year's mission week already. So the prep starts so far in advance um, for one week of organized chaos. And and so all these people are vetted to make sure that they are needy or or, are deserving of said care and um, the exact mechanism there uh, well beyond my pay grade. Right. 
But what we wind up with is uh, approximately at the end of the week when the smoke clears, somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 plus people got care that might not otherwise get it. Yeah. Uh, one of the days during that time is give kids a smile. So we've got kids from Jackson Public Schools coming in, learning about how to brush their teeth, why it's important to keep your teeth. Uh, and another one of the five days is giving back to our veterans who might not qualify for dental benefits at their VA, but this gives them an opportunity to get some care as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I wish I had the numbers in front of me right now. That's my, I was remiss in not getting that data together before I got here, yeah, but it's over 1,500 people. Yeah, absolutely. And somewhere in the neighborhood of in excess of 4,000 procedures yeah. performed by our dental hygiene <laughs> students, our dental students, our residents, and, and other volunteers there at the school. So uh, at the end of the week, you know it's been a week. Yes, but you do. <laughs> you do know it's been a week. But it has been just, it's been a really valuable uh, asset for the school, not only for all the right reasons, but it's also kind of gotten our name out there and letting, letting the campus and the city know um, what we have available right, to, to contribute to uh to the people of Mississippi, and it's been great for building relationships with uh, with the others, the other health schools on campus, right? Yes. So I got involved with Dental Missions Week when I was in the School of Nursing. I'm in the School of Medicine now, but luckily y'all didn't y'all didn't kick me out when I moved over to the School of Medicine. And you know, I do the medical triage part, which you're down there with mm -hmm. me for that. And really, that's all of those you know, twelve to fifteen hundred people that we talked about come through medical triage okay. and get uh, a, a small evaluation, a quick evaluation to make sure that there's no red flags for going back for a procedure. You know, if they're on blood thinners or if their blood pressure is too high or blood sugar is too high, all of those different kinds of things to make sure that they're safe, uh, safe to go back for their procedure. And so you've got, you know, nursing students, med students, your dental hygiene, dental students. And then we've also got pharmacy involved because they're filling prescriptions for us or if we need to pre-medicate folks. So it really is a group effort to get all of these folks treated um, for dental health because it's so important. And that's really why I wanted to have uh, you on the show today. So I think dental health um, kind of gets pushed to the side or to the back burner when we're talking about chronic disease and the importance of dental health and overall care. But it is really, really important. And so, guys, if you're listening you have a question about uh, your teeth or about oral health in general, we would love to answer those questions today. Our number is one eight seven seven mp ring. So, you know, we've kind of talked a little bit about what advanced general dentistry is, what you guys do over at the, the School of Dentistry. But I want to talk a little bit about probably the most common question that I get asked in terms of um, oral health, and that's how often do I need to go to the dentist? It would be a good idea. And I realize the number is kind of arbitrary for people, but every six months is a good timeline to go. Not only to get a cleaning, but to get an evaluation uh, from your dentist. Uh, the main thing is catch problems when they're mm -hmm. small. Okay. Absolutely. Sometimes if we wait until pain is involved, if pain is the cue that I need to find a dentist, or suddenly you're not able to function the way you were before, if you wait to that point in time, your treatment options may become very limited. Mm -hmm. yeah. versus being able to salvage the tooth with a small filling or uh, a little more in-depth cleaning 
to uh, retain the supporting structures around the tooth to hold them in. Otherwise, then we start talking about things that become very expensive or we start losing teeth. So that's why, uh, you know, the, the idea of every six months is very important. Some of the people that you and I uh, work on collaboratively, diabetics, mm. those people that are having trouble controlling their diabetes, we actually recommend they come in for cleanings earlier than that, sometimes even every four months. Gotcha. Uh, because glycemic control feeds periodontal disease. Then the inflammation and infection of periodontal disease backtracks and starts feeding the glycemic control and so now we're both at a disadvantage right. trying to help our patients stay healthy right and that it's a really big thing that i think a lot of folks don't talk about because when you've got first of all tell me what periodontal disease is so if you've got listeners that don't know what that big word is okay. uh also known as gum disease depending upon what generation you're from pyorrhea is oh, also that's uh, i don't that's know an, that one that's an old school term <laughs> um dating myself on when i graduated from it's dental okay. school it's okay we it's it's all right we peddled the uh the drills ourselves with our own feet oh yeah, yeah yeah kind of <laughs> um what happens is we have bacteria in our mouth daily mm -hmm. that's normal <clears throat> But if we don't get the food deposits off our teeth through brushing and flossing, those bacteria invade that plaque and utilize some of the uh, ions coming out of our saliva and make it a hard deposit, which commonly is called tartar. Mm. In the profession, we call it calculus. Now, basically... Which is also not fun. Calculus is not fun. No. no. Yes. This is as tough as calculus, <laughs> and it sticks to the teeth. Absolutely. So, yes, absolutely. <clears throat> and... Once it becomes a hard deposit, you, the layperson at home with a brushing and flossing, probably can't dislodge that. Now, that rough surface of that calculus is now a basically a condominium for more bacteria to mm -hmm. invade. And so you continue to build on that with more inflammation, more infection, and now the normal uh, microorganisms that you should have in your mouth, that balance gets skewed away from health more to a very localized infection, inflammation, and oversimplification. But essentially, you make your gums recede and the bone recede around your teeth, while the tooth itself may not need a filling, may not have a single cavity. Mm -hmm. If you lose that supporting structure, it now becomes non-functional, and you lose it just the same. Yeah. So cavities, period disease, both, those are the things that we need to be on the lookout for when we're getting our checkups and to rest those at a very manageable level versus letting them get so far along. Again, there's nothing we hate worse in our profession than to look at a patient and tell them they're going to lose a tooth. Yeah. Or, I'm so sorry, but this has gone so far. Now you're looking at all these expensive steps. Mm -hmm. Where if we'd only caught this a few months earlier, it would have been something much more simple, less costly, and and less less pain and suffering for you. Absolutely, which is very similar to all of our chronic illnesses. You know, diabetes and hypertension, mm -hmm. high cholesterol, all of those have very few symptoms on the front end, which is why it's important for our you know our annual checkups, our wellness exams, so that we can catch these things early and start to you know, work on reversing those things in the early stages versus waiting until we have a symptom, we've had a heart attack, we've had a stroke, something like that later on. So dental health is is just as important. And just like you mentioned, when we're trying to get control of somebody's blood sugar, we really need to think, are there, how are their teeth? You know, are, are their teeth in good 
good health because it can be driving the blood sugar up. We see that a lot in Dental Missions Week. People would come in, their blood sugars would be 400, and we would peep in there, and there would be a big abscess or something like that in their mouth. You know, that was was driving the, the blood sugar issue up there. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me in the studio today, I have Dr. Mark Livingston, who is a a dentist, dental faculty, actually, at UMMC's School of Dentistry. And we have been uh, taking questions and calls about dental health. And you're free to call in if you have a question for us. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. And we're going to go straight on over to the phone lines. We've got a couple of folks hanging on for us. I'm going to start with Kenneth in Brookhaven. Good morning, Kenneth. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. What can we help you with today? Yeah, is there a limit or a threshold where uh, dental issues will become just dental medical issues as far as, like, insurance goes? Can your teeth be so bad that, that it becomes a medical problem? Mm. And, and will that ever be covered by your insurance? I know people who have insurance, full coverage insurance, but they still can't afford to um, have proper dental care. Um, I was wondering if there's ever a, does the one ever overlap into the other? Great question. I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Livingston on that one. Okay. Typically, what I've seen in the past is for dental issues to be covered by a medical insurance, it's involved trauma, like a mm-hmm. car wreck, um, an assault, something of that nature. I have yet to actually see uh, a medical insurance cover chronic dental concerns as if it were a illness like, like pneumonia, diabetes, right. diabetes gotcha. etc. Um, right now, there's kind of a, a a chasm between medical insurance and dental insurance, and they don't really talk much to each other. There's there's pretty stark differences there, mm-hmm. so it is kind of tough to get that to to happen. Yeah, yeah. So you know, that's kind of a question that's really hard to give a, a general answer to you know it's one that would probably have to be evaluated you know on a case-by-case basis to see exactly what the medical problem is you know was it a dental problem that led to the medical problem or is it the medical problem that's then led to to the dental issue and vice versa um, on that so unfortunately can't give you a, a cut and dry answer on that but you know you're always welcome to talk
talk with your insurance company or Absolutely. with your provider to see if some of those services would be covered. You know, I need my wisdom teeth out, but I'm uh, good and stubborn and not ready for that right now. And actually, mine is so it's sideways and pressing against the blood vessel. So they were like, yeah, you're going to have to go like in the OR so mm-hmm. that you don't bleed to death. And so those are none of the things are on my calendar mm-hmm. for right now on those kinds of things. But there's been the talk as is this a, a medical issue or is this right. a right. dental issue at, at this point in, in time there? And so we've got kind of a a, a second uh, part to that because we got an email mm-hmm. earlier in the show that's right in that same vein. And so it says, any advice for those who have dental insurance provided by their employer but live paycheck to paycheck and aren't able to afford the dental work they need? What you got? Well, what I would suggest, especially if they're in the area and travel is not a hardship, is to look at being a patient for the School of Dentistry. Our dental students and dental residents provide care that is at a fee that is lower than the usual and customary rate found in the area. Um, So that would be something that uh, would give you some opportunities. Now, granted, with our students and our residents, some of the more complex things people might need might not be available via that vehicle okay but uh, there are patients of long standing at our school uh that have been student patients for years Mm -hmm. and and basically they kind of have a little bit of ownership of i helped that that young person graduate they worked on me when when they you know i was their first filling or or something like that so there is a really uh it's a golden opportunity for people to look at that um the exact number again. If I'd known there'd been a quiz, I would have studied. <laughs> but, if, uh, if if folks need a number to get in touch with you guys for scheduling that, they can email me at fit at mpbonline.org, and I, I know how to get you. Exactly. Uh, and so we can get them that um, information there. Also, I'm sure you can go to UMC's website and Absolutely. and follow the Yellow Brick Road to the School of Dentistry page and find that information there. Yes. But a lot of um, employees at UMC and a lot mm-hmm. of faculty members at UMC use those services as well because we're committed to training up the next generation of folks that are going to take care of us. So it's a really good opportunity yes. there. All right, back on over to the phone lines. We're going to go to Utica and talk with Renee this morning. Hello, Renee. Hi. How are you? Okay. Good. What can uh, we do for you? I have two questions. Okay. One is, can receiving gums be repaired in any way? Yes, it is possible. Typically, that is going to take uh, some periodontal surgery to move that tissue back up to its normal level. Um Again, uh, kind of having to give a general answer to what's probably a very specific problem, you would wind up going to your dentist. If they don't provide that type of treatment, they might refer you to a specialist. And our specialist in gums in our profession is called a periodontist. And we have quite a few of those, not only at the School of Dentistry, but in the Jackson area that are very learned colleagues, highly, you know, well thought of yes, absolutely yes. and so that would be something that you would have to investigate probably starting out with your general dentist about how big a problem is this problem once they can kind of quantify it then they can if they can't provide the care they can move you escalate you through a referral to a specialist from that point on okay all right all what's right. the second question uh how long should you wait after you eat to brush your teeth oh that's a good one uh, actually, sooner the better, usually. 
while the debris is soft, while it's not tacked on to the food, uh, the food hasn't stuck on to everything, uh, your your teeth, your gums, etc. Dislodging it sooner is better than later. But any but any time is better than not, right? Absolutely. You know, if it's been two hours uh, after your meal and now's the only opportunity you have, go ahead and, and do it then. But, you know, I agree. As soon as we can get, you know, that goo off of there, yes. the less chance you're going to have for the bacteria to start start munching on it. Also, by doing it sooner, the bacteria that can cause the uh, gum disease and the tooth decay are deprived of food, so they don't go to a heightened state of activity, potentially causing more damage. So quicker beats not quicker. Yep. All right, Renee, we hope that helped you out a little bit there. If not, you can always send us an email, and we'll give you some more information that way. All right, we're going to move on to Ripley, Mississippi, and talk with Buford this morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Well, I'm still going. Uh, well, that's better than not going. What can yes, we? <laughs> what can we do for you? What well, I was calling about, you know, that I called in about the dental insurance, and what my problem is, you know, is why the dentist and the dentist dental association is not fighting and pushing for for your health care insurance to take care of your dental work. Mm. And they're not doing it, you know. Mm. And, and, you know, that's, that's where, the, you know, they like long-term care. The insurance company and all, they're getting just what they want. Mm. And they just profit about $16 billion last year. The, the drug company did and what have you. You know, we the people, we ain't got to change. No, I'm so sorry that you're having trouble like that. You know, uh, we've given you some good resources out there. If you are having trouble, that you can reach out and get some assistance um, and and get some work done. And, you know, I'm unfortunately not going to comment a lot on, on that because that's not my area of specialty with that. But I'm sorry that you're feeling that way. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me in the studio today, I have Dr. Mark Livingston, who is faculty at the School of Dentistry at UMMC. And we've had a silent guest in in the studio with us today. We've got Michael Robbins, who is a fourth-year medical student, so he's almost done. There's light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not a train, and he will be a physician very, very soon. And we've been taking lots of great questions and comments from our listeners. We've had lots of great emails as well that we're going to get to, but I do have someone on the line that I 
I want to go ahead and hop over to. She's all the way in Arkansas. We're going to talk with Helen. Good morning, Helen. Hi there. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. I just have one quick question. Okay. I was listening about the brushing. Mm. Um, my dentist just told me that I have a cavity, and she asked if I eat a lot of sweets, which I don't. But I do drink smoothies almost every morning, mm. and I don't necessarily brush after drinking the smoothies. And the smoothies, of course, have all the typical uh, fruit uh, and veggies, but, you know, from strawberries to blueberries and so forth. So could that have, should I be brushing after drinking the smoothies to prevent cavities from sugar? All right. Kudos for drinking smoothies and staying away from lots of refined sugar. So that's great there. Dr. Livingston, what about that in relationship to cavities? Uh, Depends on the sugar content of the smoothie, of course. More sugar. More sugar. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the bacteria involved with cavity, strep mutans, if we feed it a sugar, then it's going to go to a more active state, and those bacteria are going to do more damage. So we need to be aware of that. Just, uh, you know, if if you're adding extraneous sugar to that smoothie to make it taste better, that may not be in your best interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, no. This is just natural fruit. Okay. I'm not adding uh-huh. any sweeteners of any okay. sort. Um, then it's possible that there's no connection whatsoever. Um, hard to say in generality, but right now the fact that you're not adding extra sugar is mm-hmm. a positive. And if you're concerned about uh, the smoothies, then just having some water afterwards. Just, you know, if you don't have the ability to brush your teeth after the smoothie, if you're at work, etc., then just having uh, a little bit of water to wash it down at the end might be a good way to debride the area and kind of clean things in a in a manner that you could get done at, at the workplace or while on the road. Yeah, that's what I usually do. So if I, you know, if I have a breakfast meeting or something like that and I'm going to, you know, have fruits and I can't can't hop up and go brush my teeth, then I usually just make sure I drink some plain water afterwards. Sometimes I'll even kind of, you know, zhuzh it around in my mouth just a little bit, just trying to knock, you know, any of that extra sugar off of um, the surface of my teeth there. But you wouldn't be wrong to brush if you had uh, the uh, equipment and the opportunity to do so. That would be just fine there. Exactly. As my program director once said, the solution to pollution is dilution. (laughs) So by diluting the problem with good old water, you can, you know, you can stave yeah, off some things. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, Helen, thank you so much for giving us a call today. I hope that helped you out a little bit there. All right, we're going to go over and talk with Gail this morning. Hello, Gail. Hi. Hi, how are you? I enjoy listening to your show. Well, I thank you very much for tuning in and listening and for giving us a call. What can we do for you today? I had a benign fibroma removed from the inside of my cheek. And my dentist did it, and it caused um, swelling, and um, it was very bothersome because um, what happened was a um, salivary duct got stopped up. And so uh, it, it does not swell. It does not hurt. I'm just barely aware that something is different on that side. And I'm just wondering, should I go to an um, uh, ear, nose, and throat doctor? Um, I just wonder if there's any long-term 
side effects from that? Hmm. That's a great question, Dr. Livingston. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, again, uh, in in a non-visual format, so I'm kind of trying to imagine the, the situation in my mind here. What I think is uh, if you're looking for consultations, your ear, nose, and throat doc or an oral surgeon, either or, would be a good place to stop and and you know get a referral there to see what they think about your healing mm. um a lot of times the fibroma uh, occurs because of repetitive trauma biting the lip biting the cheek uh so it can be some low-grade repetitive trauma that originates the original fibroma and then excising taking that fibroma out because we've got all this stuff going on in our mouth blood vessels nerves salivary ducts it's sometimes very difficult to excise those without causing some associated trauma Mm. to surrounding structures to make sure you get it out. So to ensure that your healing is on track and that you're not going to have some long-term repercussions from this, um, I I think it would require a specialist to take a look at that to to evaluate you clinically. I did go to an oral oral surgeon, Mm -hmm. but they would not accept my insurance, Mm. and they wanted everything up front. So I'm wondering if I could just go to my ENT who would accept Mm. me. I think that would be a great place to start, actually, is is going to the ENT and seeing what they have to say about that situation, because they do um, do things with, Mm -hmm. with, you know, with, um, you know, Sjogren's disease, which is a salivary duct issue. ENT is often the person that we loop in to take care of that. So I think that would be a perfectly appropriate place to go. Absolutely. There's a lot of overlap in the ENT docs uh, area of expertise Mm -hmm. and the oral surgeons. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Gail. Thank you for listening. All right. Uh, So I teased before uh, the break that we were going to answer the age-old question of what's the best toothbrush. And so is is there a best toothbrush out there? Well, the toothbrush you use is the best one. Yay! That's (laughs) the one I use. If it sits on the shelf, it's not very helpful. (laughs) Now, unfortunately, um, here in America, more is better. Mm. Okay, so we think, oh, well, if a soft bristle toothbrush is good, then that really hard one's going to be a lot better. Right? Well, that's great in some respects, but we wind up sanding on our gums pretty <laughs> harshly. So I would like recommend, a grill brush. <laughs> yes, uh, you know, it's kind of like the wire whisk yes. on your grill. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, so you can in, you can actually cause some gum recession if you get a little heavy-handed with your brushing. So we're going to, for most patients, we're going to say go with a soft bristle toothbrush. Um, and So what they, the heck do they make the hard ones for? Uh, because people are willing to buy them. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Okay. I always, um, like, go medium because I, I have indecision. I'm like, perhaps soft is, like, for children and then hard is for, I don't know. So I'll so, go with medium. Some people that have a light touch, a hard toothbrush might work. But if you put somebody, uh, you put a hard toothbrush in someone's hands who's a little heavy-handed, mm. then then that's going to be you're going to wind up a little bit of physical trauma there on the gum tissue. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be very careful about that. Uh, the great place to get your information there is going back to those regularly scheduled checkups, mm. where your dentist and your dental hygienist talk to you about how to floss, how to brush. What are the most appropriate techniques? And based on what type of dental care you've had in the past, do you, are, do you have crowns? Do you have a lot of fillings? Based on your 
uh, carries risk or mm. your risk at decay or your risk for gum disease, they can more they can tailor your home care better for you. Gotcha. And literally while you're there in the chair, walk you through on how you should be brushing, how you should be flossing and so forth and so on. Yeah, and I think that's a question that a lot of people feel like they should know the answer to so they don't ask. You know, they're like, well, I'm 45 years old. I know how to brush my teeth, you know, but you really do need to be having those conversations because just like I said, I've always chosen kind of a medium affirmed toothbrush because mm-hmm. I didn't know. But well, actually, my kid's dentist the other day was like, no, everybody should be using a soft bristled brush. It's That's what you need to be using. And I was like, well, all righty then. <laughs> because by the time we figure out who's the heavy handed person yeah. is, usually some damage has already been done. Right. Now, uh, what about electric toothbrushes? Are those a good thing or not worth the dough? Yes, they're they're a very good thing. Um, At least in my area, Mm. where I really think they shine is uh, if you've got someone who has arthritis. Physical, Uh, physically, now that doesn't mean you can't use it if you're you're a capable person. All right. But on the patients with MS, Parkinson's, whatever. Multiple sclerosis, yeah. Yes. Where they're having some issues with fine motor dexterity type things, those really, really shine. Mm -hmm. Can you potentially do the same job with the old school toothbrush and the electric? Mm -hmm. Probably can. Probably can. If you put the work in, you can probably get the same result. Okay? Okay. But also now, since we're a tech society, uh, some of those electric toothbrushes, and by the way, I get no money from anybody Mm -hmm. on that, um, have apps that set timers for how long you should be brushing and things of that nature. Will they download how long you actually brush and send it to your dentist? Because if not, somebody should get to working on that because that would be be awesome. I I don't know if they have the Tattler app. (laughs) Somebody should work on that. Uh, yeah, that would be great. So, you know, end of, the, end of the day, the story is whichever toothbrush you can afford and that you will use consistently is the one you should be using. And if you can do uh, an electric, which I just got electrics for my kiddos, um, and I got them on Amazon for like 14 bucks, mm-hmm. you know, and they're cute and they've got light up things that light up for how long they're supposed to brush exactly. their teeth for. Now, I think they largely ignore the light up feature, but makes me feel a little bit better mm-hmm. about my mommying there. Yeah. All right, we're going to hop on over to Macomb and talk with Alice. Good morning, Alice. Good morning. How are you? I'm going to be all right and sell my nerve once I get a little information. Well, we'll do our down. best. What can we do? I have false teeth, so I'm having a procedure done in uh, bone in my gum so you know about they doing that that kind of surgery get the bone out your gum so is that important so your false teeth can get better when they make them yes ma'am if you've got uh some projections of bone either in towards the tongue on the lower jaw or outward uh if that will keep the denture from setting well and being balanced in your mouth Definitely this is in my front, in the bottom of my mm. front. Mm-hmm. Then yes, that's something that we commonly do. We want kind of a level playing field to set that denture on. That's going to make it the most stable. If there's uh, a bony projection, then you get a little bit of a teeter totter effect at times on that bony projection. All right. Did you have a second part to that question, darling? Uh, oh, yeah. How long does it take to heal? Somebody uh-huh. said six weeks or so. It takes a long time to heal. I'm 72 years old. 
Yes, ma'am, I'm afraid so. I'm afraid it's very hard to rush the human body when it comes to healing. So six weeks is a good round estimate on uh, because uh, getting the bone to heal, getting the covering over the bone, we call the periosteum to heal, and getting the soft tissue to heal to the point that when they make that impression for your denture, it's as accurate as humanly possible. And I won't have no more trouble with my gum. Well, we hope so. But, you know, healing with gum health, you know, depends on lots of different things. You know, there are certain medicines that folks are on that can impact how quickly you heal and how bones heal, as well as any other kind of chronic, you know, issues. If blood sugar is running yeah. a little bit higher, that slows healing healing down as well. But it sounds like you've got a good plan with mm-hmm. your uh, dental health provider. And we wish you all the best of luck uh, in your upcoming procedure there. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hey, this is Malcolm White with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me in the studio today is Dr. Mark Livingston, and he is a dentist who has been answering lots of calls today about your oral health questions, which is absolutely fantastic. We are nearing the last segment of the show, so if you have a burning question about your teeth or oral health, now's the time to give <coughs> us a ring, and that number is one eight seven seven mpb ring All right, we're going to go on over to Curtis, who is on the road this morning. Hello, Curtis. How you doing? We're all right. What can we do for you today? Yes, I have uh, two quick questions, but the first one was, uh, what's the best age for an infant or a child to... Uh, story you know uh getting them to the dentist mm, that's a great question what you got sure um what i would consider which people will think this is really early is i would start having them see the dentist um as early as possible uh around that first birthday part of it is setting up in the mind of the child that going to the dentist is not a punitive thing that way you don't wind up being an adult like me who's scared to go <laughs> and and so initially a lot of those exams are just going to be kind of a look around point to this point to that show them about brushing as those teeth emerge even if they're not brushing their own teeth still even if they're that small they're at least getting exposed to the dentist and like you said Josie you're not setting yourself up for failure later on 
with it being so... Well, always something pain. painful when they go, right? Yeah. You know, if you wait until yeah. there's a problem and all the child associates the, the dentist with is getting injections or getting a filling or getting a tooth pulled right. or, you know, something like that, it's, then... It's mentally associated yeah. with pain and stress. Yeah. yeah. And so having some of those uh, lightweight appointments yeah. where people come in, you know, and it's an evaluation, but but you're not there for an emergency. You're not there because something's hurting. Um, then you start, you know, you start building up in that child's mind that this isn't always a bad thing. Whenever we pull up in this parking lot, it's not, oh, no, <laughs> oh, not no, here him <laughs> or her, right. as the case may be for the dentist. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a great point there. All right, Curtis, what was the second question? Uh, what's, what's your take on teeth whitening? I'm glad you mentioned that because I had a question come in through uh, my Facebook page as well that asked about teeth whiteners and, you know, over over the counter versus in in clinic whiteners. And what's the deal with those? Sure. We'll try and loop all that together and put a bow (laughs) on it there. Over the counter whiteners are going to be at a lower concentration than what you would normally get at your dentist's office because they're sold over the counter to lay people. And so there is going to be a certain level of risk on the on the production if someone were to misuse it. Right. So they're going to dial down the the uh, the potency of those whitening solutions when they're sold to lay people because you're just you're going into wherever buying it and using it at home without professional instruction. So that's the 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 break point or the the space between the -the over-the-counter stuff and what you get from your dentist. Can whitening be good? Of course it can. Um, Again, we're in America. More is better. Whiter is better. You know, healthier is going to the gym, all that kind of stuff. We want to improve ourselves. What we have to be careful about, the biggest side effect I see with whitening is if somebody does a lot of it, they can make their teeth very sensitive to hot and cold so that nice cold glass of iced tea becomes not so much fun or that hot cup of coffee all at once becomes painful early in the morning. Um, There is a link between whitening and sensitivity. Does it happen to every patient? No, it does not. But by the time it happens to you, you're there. All right. So I hope that helped you out a little bit there, Curtis. Thank you for so much for giving us a call today. We're going to hop on over to Columbus and talk with Helen this morning. Hello, Helen. Helen, are you on the line? All right. So we lost Helen, and that's unfortunate. But um, we will kind of pick up with this email that I just got that says, My daughter says brushing first thing in the morning is more important than brushing after breakfast for her kids. I say they should brush after breakfast before they go to school. What are Mm. your thoughts? I do not wish to pit family members (laughs) against each other. No, no, that that puts me in a very precarious position. Uh, Brushing beats not brushing right okay um i would normally counsel brush after exposure to food Uh, again it goes back to the the bacteria Mm -hmm. prior to eating your bacteria are in a resting state they're there but they're not at a heightened state of activity now you eat you provide food not only for yourself, but they're they're gleaning a little off to the side for themselves. You know, those bacteria are eating too. And so now they're in a more active state, mm-hmm. and that can cause more damage. So 
again, not wishing to uh, have family members. <laughs> I don't want to be the point of contention at right. the next reunion, right. family reunion for this family. But I would, for me, I would say after exposure to food would have a greater benefit than before. Yeah. And, and, well, and you know, it's all going to depend on what they're eating for breakfast as well. You know, if you're absolutely. having Pop-Tarts, then, you know, we might want to knock some of that really heavy sugary coating and film that's going to be on on the teeth off right. there. But at the very least, you know, if they're grabbing breakfast and running out the door, you know, take some water with you, just like we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. and give a little, you know, rinse to the mouth and, and get that stuff out out of there. Exactly. And, and there are a lot of variables here, yeah. you know timing what are they having for breakfast mm-hmm. as you as you mentioned so the, yeah. you know it's it's a general answer for a very specific problem right absolutely all right i think we've got helen back so let's go see uh helen good morning helen good morning thank you for calling back what can we do for you i was wanting to ask a question about mpb uh, i'm sorry not mpb i was like that's your own mpb cmj yes ma'am Anything I, in specific? I a, yeah, I have this pain, and it's, it seems to be in my ear. Nobody can find it. I've been to ENT several times, and they keep telling me uh, uh, TMJ, mm. and I spoke to my doctor about it, and he said it hurts it like in the back of my ear, and they said, well, it should be in the front if it's TMJ. I don't know what's going on, but I know I got the pain. Yes, ma'am. And I just want, I, I have a dental appointment um, coming up on the night, and I don't know what, I've been to the dentist about it before, too, so nobody can find this problem that's causing me this pain in my ear. Mm. It, it hurts right in the ear, and ear, ear nose, and throats cannot find it. It's fine. Nothing's wrong in there. I don't know what's going on. I just know I got the pain. So what does TMJ do? Would scoliosis cause it to be moved? I do have a, uh, some scoliosis. I want to know what can I do for this pain. I, it, it, it just hurts. Well, so I'm going to break it down into two two steps, right? So one, you know, without a you know exam by, you know, one of us, it's hard for us to say exactly what's going on there and what's causing the pain. And, and you know, not knowing exactly what ear, nose, and throat has, has done as far as imaging tests to look at, you know, the, the bones of the ear, the bone that kind of sits right behind the ear as well. And then actually a dental exam to see, you know, if there's any signs of teeth grinding and those kinds of things that can give some of these similar types of pain. But what we can answer is just what TMJ is, right? Dr. Livingston, what is TMJ? Uh, TMJ stands for the temporomandibular joint, the actual joint that's on either side of your head there in front of the ear. Um, When we're talking about the disease processes, we're talking about TMD, temporomandibular disorders, which can be anything from um, having joint problems secondary to arthritis, like rheumatoid arthritis Mm. could affect that joint. Um, Any of the autoimmune diseases potentially could affect that joint. Uh, so there's there's the possible. bone strengthening medicines for osteoporosis sometimes can cause some joint issues there. Any of anything like that could feed into that. Also, some of our habits, um, not specifically our listener here, but uh, does someone habitually chew gum? Mm-hmm. Do they clench or grind their teeth? And it may be an unconscious thing at night 
So that's something that needs to be evaluated. Also, we're seeing uh, a link between the temporomandibular disorders and sleep apnea problems. Mm-hmm. That there's uh, there's some Which I can't there. tell you how prevalent sleep apnea disorders are. You know, when we start to look at at folks who are at risk for sleep apnea, right. it's it's grossly underrecognized as a disorder. Right. Uh, so there are there are a number of different things that can play into causing TMD problems um, or accentuate existing problems and make them worse. Uh, you know, someone who's a rheumatoid arthritic patient that's having problems, and, and you can determine that it's the rheumatoid arthritis mm-hmm. that is part of the TMD, then I'm going to be pleading with them, don't chew gum. Don't right. overwork right. the joint. Or chew ice. I see a lot. Like, I'm a, I love to chomp on ice. Right. You know, um, that is not doing that joint any favors back there. And sooner or later, you'll bite down on the ice just wrong, and I get to do a crown for you. Right, and then I get to get over my fear of going to the dentist there. Mm-hmm. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart devices podcasting platform.